0: Does Duke play football? Yes, sir. You like we play football. Don't disappoint yourself. This is that opportunity to make that statement with with the people as Mitch told you, you were chosen. You were chosen for a reason, on and off the field. You got a statement to make. You've got a statement to make. Walt, we chose you for a reason. Let the reason be seen. Lead the way, senior. Duke football! Yes, it's Duke football! Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Section 17 podcast presented by Duke Football Talk. I'm your host tonight, Josh Cox. I'm here alongside Brian Kennedy and Scott Medlin. Jamie Holt is unable to be with us tonight. And you guessed it, he's at the beach. We're looking forward this Friday night We're going to talk some Duke football versus the Charlotte 49ers tonight. It is game week. We have been waiting for this week all offseason. We've really been waiting for this weekend since the end of 2019, the last time that we were able to see a Duke football game in person. Guys, the time has finally come. This Friday night, for the first time in over a year, we will be watching the Duke football team play live and in person. What do you think?
1: man excited we're less than 72 hours from the moment we're recording this podcast from kickoff and man i'm pumped i'm excited you know work is getting in the way of the rest of this week if we could just get those days work out of the way and get to friday we'd be set we'd be good to go in the car heading 85 south but i'm pumped and ready looking forward to being in the stands and I'm just looking forward to watching football and being live and in person. So, thank God it's finally back.
2: I think uh, Dave Harding said it best last week. Let's stop the talk and let's get on the pads and let's play some football. We've had some great episodes these past couple of weeks, interviewing some uh, current players, having uh, Dave on last week. But really, truly, guys, I'm, I'm excited about getting into these weekly preview shows that we had during the season last season. It was a little bit different with COVID, but this year we're hoping for – the normal that we had in 2019, what better way to start off in-state, in Charlotte, 7 o'clock kickoff Friday night. I got to tell you guys, I, I haven't done a road game for Duke football in a while, but from what I'm hearing, the Charlotte fans are ready. It's going to be a green out. I read that today. So going back to being the uniform czar, we are officially in the season. I could see the all icy whites being broken out.
0: Yeah, we'll be looking forward to seeing that drop uh, here within the next day or so. I'm also looking forward to what the Duke football social media team has put together this year to unveil the uniforms. You know, they did, a, I believe two years ago, they did a video game look where they uh, they did the video game shuffle. And then last year was a text. You got a text message of what they were wearing. Um, but this year it'll be interesting to see how they do that. Uh, but, yeah, it is going to be a green out for the 49ers. And uh, we will be there. Uh, Unfortunately, they don't have a Section 17, but we will be in the GA seats. Um, uh, I think there's a 117, uh, but we'll be in the GA seats and we'll be cheering on our Blue Devils and looking forward uh, to a great game. We do want to tell you, um, uh, coming up for our first home game, uh, which will be the following Friday night. we got some uh, plans for that. Stay tuned to next week's podcast, and we'll tell you a little bit more about where we'll be and if you want to hang out a little bit with us beforehand, uh, where you can hang out with us before the first home game. But let's talk Charlotte, guys. We got, we've got some Duke stuff to talk about. Duke officially released uh, our two deep uh, here within the last 24 hours, and there's not really any big surprises on there. Uh, a couple of the, the positions we'll speak about. But, you know, I'm really thinking this is this is obviously Mateo Durant's season as far as the hype. Uh, there's some legitimate, obviously, NFL talk around Mateo. If Mateo continues on the same pace that he has done the last two years, uh, being the main guy and getting the bulk of the carries, he could really have a special season. But I I, I will say this. I, I do feel like these first four or five games of the season – It's really all about is Gunnar Holmberg going to be the guy that's going to limit mistakes, going to make good decisions in the pocket, going to run the ball when he needs to run the ball, going to get rid of the ball instead of taking that sack or or throw the ball away instead of trying to fit it into double, triple coverage. Is Gunnar Holmberg going going to be the guy uh, that we think he can be, and that is the guy that can lead us, doesn't have to be perfect, but the guy that can lead us to some victories not that's the main thing I'm going to be looking at on on Friday night can Gunner get comfortable I think getting him comfortable includes him running the ball uh, quite a bit when we interviewed Gunner earlier on in the offseason he mentioned uh, that his speed was one thing that he has, has been uh, a part of his game since he was a young kid and I think he can get comfortable running the ball and then maybe that'll help him settle in the passing game I mean I think we really could have a, a good start to the season but I think Gunner is the key uh, here the first couple of games. Guys, what are you looking for as far as on the Duke side of the football heading into Friday night?
1: Yeah, definitely looking forward to uh, uh, seeing Gunner, seeing how um, how, just, how the season starts for him. Uh, you know, the faster he gets his feet uh, set and ready to go, the better off Duke will be. And, again, you know, we talked about it last week. One of the Dave, things Dave talked about was turnovers. That's the biggest thing I think going into this season with Duke football is we've got to limit the turnovers. We've got to win that game. If we can win the plus minus there, we're going to be okay. I think we're going to be okay. Um, you know, one, one position or two here that we, we weren't expecting guys to start that when the two deep came out the other day uh, was John Gillette. Uh, Jeff Ferris had mentioned his name last week or two weeks ago when he was on Packer and Durham about he was having a great camp. So it worked out that he's actually going to be starting there at right tackle. So that's, that's, you know, that's a name we we're not looking forward to. And then uh, Cutcliffe in his interview this week talked about Gary Smith, who we were unsure if he was going to play or not because of health. Um, and he said that he will play if he's healthy. So that's another guy that we're looking forward to. And then Michael Reese. Now that's a name that I don't think anybody had on their radar. So that's a name coming. He's going to be starting at, I think, defensive end, if I remember right. Yeah, defensive end. You know, just a couple of names there to look forward to. Obviously, you know, looking to see what Gunner can do, how he'll the ball around. And we want Mateo to be Mateo. And I think Mateo will be Mateo. And the O line blocks, we should be okay and have a really good game.
2: I think my biggest question, not so much a concern, is will Duke – show the same production as they've shown on the practice field. I know that's apples and oranges because they're playing a team that they, yes, they played last year, but it's not like these 85-play scrimmages that they've had in the last month or so to where the defense knows the offensive plays and vice versa. Not really much surprise in the two deep when the depth chart came out. One thing that did stand out to me, and and we were talking about this a little bit before we started this recording, Nikki Dalmolin, He's the, from what I'm seeing, the fourth string tight end. And that was really a surprise to all of us because he was just getting rave reviews from camp. He was making a lot of good plays. There were some highlights that the local news outlets were showing of him during practice. And while we don't know why the coaching staff made the decision, obviously we're still in good hands with Jake Marwiti starting at tight end. 245 pounds, 6'6". He's a big boy. And he is going to be tough to bring down uh, in the, in the uh, open field. Another, uh, <clears throat> another position that I saw that, again, I, I, I kind of don't want to mention it because I'm a superstitious person, but the center position. We're getting back Jack Wallaba, But God forbid if something were to happen to him, backing him up as a red shirt freshman. And if you remember last year when he went down, excuse me, I <laughs> got a little frog in my throat. When he went down, we had to reshuffle the offensive line to make sure that we can make it right. And maybe that was something that threw Chase off, and we're not going back to 2020. But that's that was surprising. I, I think I looked over the two deep, and guys, we really only have, I think, seven freshmen on this chart. And three of them are in the quarterback position. Luca, Riley Leonard, Jordan Moore. And that was another one. Jordan Moore, they they've technically got him listed as a fourth-string quarterback. He did a lot. He impressed a lot of people, his running abilities. He passed it well during camp. So I still could see Jordan being used in maybe goal line position, or maybe just to throw off these defenses who are expecting Luca to come in or Gunner to stay on the field. But all in all guys, I mean, this, these blue devils were who we thought they were as as far as the the depth chart goes. And I, I think it's, these next two games especially against Charlotte and a will really showcase what we are capable of doing on the field and really how we might look against Northwestern who I said was our toughest opponent in this first four game stretch.
0: Yeah just to speak to a couple of those things I think that's great input by both of you guys. Um, I think the plan is to redshirt Jordan Moore that's what I would assume the plan is and that You know, there's that four-game leniency they're giving now, and I could see Jordan getting into some maybe early games. Um, But, man, he did look good on a lot of that film. And then I would say this. I think um, the the tight end position, um, Dalmolin, I I believe that he's really a wide receiver. Um, And so I think that they just have him listed there. Um, I think he's going to play a lot. He played a lot last year for being a true freshman. And I believe he'll play a lot this year. Um, but it's just odd the way they have him listed. Um, I, I agree 100% with you. And let me let me just move over to the other side of the ball very quickly. Um, the secondary. You know, the secondary is all always kind of an uh, – uh, well, it's, it's turned into a very deep position for us here at Duke. And let me just read these names. These are the guys who are probably – who are not starting. Dominique Long, who, I mean, just today – they're sending out quotes from Cutcliffe about how good a camp he had. Dominic Long, Jalen Stinson, DaQuan Johnson, Lummy Young, Isaiah Fisher Smith. Those guys are probably are not starting. Uh, Jeremiah Lewis probably not starting. That's a whole second string there, guys. Uh, and that's not then our starters. You know, you got Blackwell, Jamarik Woods, Nate Thompson, Jalen Alexander, and Leonard Johnson. I, let me just say, our secondary is a legit two deep. I would trade any of those guys out for any of those other guys. And, man, I think, I think we're going to have some depth there uh, that is going to be very, very good for us as we move on in the
2: season. And Josh, to your point, last year our defense saw a bunch of injuries and guys coming in that weren't expecting to really play, and they got torched in some of those games. So, to your point, if we were to have someone down, it's a next man up mentality. We've got guys that have had the experience on the field already, played against these other college teams, been in ACC action to where it wouldn't be as as tough an adjustment for some of these guys as it was last year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anywhere where we can have depth. I believe we have depth on the offensive line. Um, I believe we have depth in the secondary. Um, I even believe we have depth at running back, a guy who didn't even make the two deep, but Trent Davis, true freshman, I think he could see some – uh, some action there at the running back position. And I think obviously wide receiver we're deep. we get we run six to seven deep. Um, and so um, Malik Sims Bowen didn't even make the two deep um, as a wide receiver. And so I think we've got seven guys on that wide receiving core. And so all in all, we've said this and there's no reason to beat this dead horse. We've said this before, uh, but these these new this new era of Duke team, while it has disappointed us in the last two seasons, at the very least, we have legitimate two deeps. And we remember back in the day where we would talk about, listen, if so-and-so gets hurt, we're done, we're toast. And it's not like that anymore. And, you know, kudos to the longevity there of the coaching staff and kind of the culture that's been set. But that's enough about Duke. Um, we've talked about Duke, man. Y'all know this. We've been talking about it all offseason. season. Um, and so what we want to do this year, one of the things that we are uh, trying to do every week, if we can make it happen, and obviously there's going to be some weeks that we probably won't be able to make this happen, but we like to sit down with someone that's very knowledgeable of our opponent. And so uh, we, have, uh, we will be reaching out to the play-by-play uh, the announcers and the, the radio voices of our opponents. And so uh, this week, the Charlotte 49ers, the voice of the 49ers is none other than Mr. Al Wallace, who some of you will remember was a Carolina Panther and so uh, Brian sat down with Al earlier this week had a really really cool conversation he gives us some insights on the Charlotte 49ers heading into Friday nights
2: joined now by Al Wallace former Carolina Panthers defensive end and current color analyst for the Charlotte 49ers radio network Al will be on the call for this Friday night season opener against Duke Al Thank you for joining us on the Section 17 podcast.
3: I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on here. Excited about this football season, ready to get things going.
2: What's tougher in your mind, preparing for an NFL game or preparing for a Charlotte 49ers broadcast?
3: I know what I'm doing on the football field. You know, that one's, that one's easy. I can sleepwalk. It's a lot of preparation that goes into it. But when I got into broadcasting, man, I tell you, the, the notes, the details, um, you know, working in the booth, that was that was pretty tough. So I, I'm going to go with preparing for a call. That's that's going to be a tough
2: challenge. Any any challenges you still have every week as you head into a broadcast?
3: Not be a fan. Uh, I'm a fan. So once I retired, it's hard to be in that booth and not let the emotions pour out. Um, You know, I'm a pretty laid back guy, but when it comes to football, pretty emotional, pretty fiery. And I think that's what helped me last 10 years in the NFL. So in the booth, I kind of have to you know, got to reserve that a little bit. But, yes, being a fan, it's hard to be in the booth, call the game, and, and remain objective.
2: Well, let's shift gears. Let's look ahead to the 2021 season for the Charlotte 49ers. What are some areas the team should see improvement in this year compared to last year? They only played six games due to COVID, rescheduling, cancellations. But, but what are some areas that this team should improve on?
3: Well, I think first you just have to start with another year under Will Healy. The guys that are returning, able to to get in that system – um, be totally immersed in that culture that he's brought to the Charlotte uh, 49er football program. But uh, I'm going to look at offensive line play. It's It's been a group that's been injured so often uh, since the time I've been here calling these games. It's about the line play and having that unit be healthy one and then stay together and learn how to play and really open up some holes. They don't have Benny LeMay behind them and they had some success a couple of years ago when he was here and have some new faces. But I believe Football is one on the offensive line, and I think that's going to be an area of improvement for 2021.
2: Well, as of this recording, we are four days away from the season opener, and we were talking about this uh, off, offline. You're very excited. We're excited we're actually going to be coming down to the game. Uh, it's the first time in over a year that we've actually seen football in person. And I think a lot of people have that on their mind to be able to get out and actually see their favorite team this weekend. But as we head into Friday night season opener against Duke, what are some areas that Coach Healy has been focusing on as they head into the game against a uh, Division One opponent? And let's be honest, last year's game, it was not really close. It was a 53-19 to 19 blowout. So what is Coach Healy focused on to make sure that doesn't happen again this year?
3: Yeah, representing Charlotte. I think for this team, it's always playing with uh, enthusiasm and understanding how big the lights are, but not letting them be too big. So when I'm around the team and I hear Coach Healy, he's talking about coming out of the gates fast, And and scoring touchdowns, putting points up on the board, being solid, being mistake-free. And I think everything else will take care of itself. You know, I was there on Halloween, no pun intended. It was a nightmare uh, to watch this Charlotte football team get just destroyed. So it'll be fun to see how they come out week one with an opponent like Duke in their own uh, building and the fan base finally back in the seats. Uh, it, It should be a pretty good competition.
2: Give us a couple of 49ers players on both offense and defense that Duke fans need to keep an eye out for this Friday night.
3: Yeah, there are two. If you're looking at offense, you're talking about the Charlotte 49er offense. Uh, It's going to be Victor Tucker and it's going to be Chris Reynolds at quarterback uh, throwing to Victor Tucker, the senior wide receiver who's just been so dynamic one of their best playmakers. They have some other pieces, Cam Dollar, a lot of young guys that'll get some reps in there. But that connection, Reynolds to Tucker, has just been so uh, unbelievably successful for the 49ers. And then on defense, Marquise Watts, defensive end, has been uh, their best football player. He's in the mold of Alex Highsmith, who is now with the Pittsburgh Steelers, got drafted a couple years ago. I think a more athletic version of Highsmith. He just has to have that motor going. He has to play every snap. He has to attack. But I think if he can put those together, he's going to be extremely difficult for everyone in this league to to stop uh, as a pass rusher.
2: Fill in the blank for me. The Charlotte 49ers will make a bowl game this year if –
3: I think if they stay healthy. If they stay healthy, they certainly have the pieces. Uh, They tapped into the transfer portal. They have a lot of veteran players who've seen um, competition at Power 5 schools. So if they can keep everyone healthy, go back to that offensive line and keep Chris Reynolds upright, where he's not scrambling around like we saw last year in the limited number of games. This is a really good football team with a lot of Uh, good players at the skill position uh, spots, and and they can have some success if they can find a way to stay healthy.
2: In your opinion, do they have a chance to win the Conference USA title this year?
3: Conference USA is tough. I think they'll compete, certainly. Uh, I'm not sure if they're there yet. And and because of there are so many new faces, I'll get a first look at a lot of these guys like you all will, on Friday night, but I think if it all comes together from the pieces that I've seen here in training camp and getting ready for this season, this week one opener uh, versus Duke, I mean, it's it's possible. It's definitely possible with Will Healy.
2: Well, we certainly appreciate your time. I've got one more question, and this is really probably the most important question we've asked former Duke players, current Duke players, and now we're going to ask you being a Charlotte resident. Again, we're going to be down there on Friday night. Tell us some of your favorite local restaurants that you frequent a lot that we might be able to hit before or after the game.
3: I'm a barbecue guy, and there are a couple of places. If you're going to be in Charlotte and South End, Max Speed Shop, great barbecue, great mac and cheese. The food and the atmosphere is certainly a place you want to go. Um, You can't go wrong. Just South End. Just look up any brewery. You're going to be in the right spot. I lived down there before I got married and moved out to the suburbs. So, but Max Speed Shop, if you're a barbecue guy, know this area kind of bleeds barbecue sauce. It'll be a a place you won't forget.
2: Well, we'll certainly uh, make a bookmark note about that. Again, we're heading down uh, Friday morning to Friday afternoon. Maybe we'll stop off there. Al, really appreciate you coming on to the Section 17 podcast. Thank you for uh, spending some time with us. And good luck with this 49ers football season.
3: Great. Thank you, guys. I appreciate
0: you having me on. Good luck. Thank you, Brian, for sitting down with Al Wallace and just a really cool thing that we hope to bring you more of as the weeks progress. And so, uh, really, really cool guy, and we're really looking forward to Friday night's game. Well, listen, one thing we did last year that we really enjoyed, um, and Brian does the legwork on this, uh, we have a segment each week, and this is – a segment that, that picks apart our opponent, uh, some very relevant things to football that we may need to know about our opponent. But then also, we like to throw in some uh, some facts about our opponents that maybe you didn't know. And we call it simply the Tale of the Tape. And so for the inaugural for this season, Tell the Tape, Brian Kennedy, let's hear it.
2: Thanks, Josh. Again, Charlotte 49ers of the Conference USA, Friday night, 7 o'clock, we'll be heading down there. Now, last year, Charlotte was only able to play six of their 12 scheduled games, as said with Al Wallace, and they had a record of two and four. Now, an interesting stat I I found, they only played one game in September, four in October, zero games in November, and one in December. So, needless to say, they've had quite the layoff for football from last year. Now, overall, this is Charlotte's eighth official football season. They started playing football back in 2013. And head coach Will Healy is in his third season with the 49ers and has a 9 and 10 overall record. This is the second matchup ever between Duke and Charlotte, with the first meeting being last year, where Duke won handily 53 19 on Halloween night. Blackout jerseys, blackout jerseys. <laughs> uh, sorry, I had to throw that in there. After this year's game, though, there are no further games scheduled between Duke and Charlotte for the foreseeable future. And fellas, I went all the way to, I believe, 2033. There's a website that shows each team's non-conference games that they've already scheduled. Charlotte and Duke, we probably might be grandparents by the time uh, they play again. But just throwing that out there, if you want to see Duke and Charlotte play, Friday night it's going to be your only time. And David Cutcliffe, only one know against Charlotte. His first time against them was last year in that 53-19 to beating. Now for the always fun and popular, Did You Know?, UNC Charlotte technically had a football team before 2013. UNC Charlotte had been in existence since 1946, or has been in existence since 1946, but was called the Charlotte Center of the University of North Carolina. The school was an extension of UNC and Chapel Hill, and the purpose of the college at that time was to educate returning World War II veterans who were coming home from the war, World War II. Now the school started a football team that same year and the mascot was actually a night owl as classes only took place at night. This was so veterans could work a job during the day and take classes at night. Now the colors of the team were light gray and maroon and the football team only lasted two years and was disbanded in 1948 because the center shut down due to decreased demand. The school continued however, when Charlotte College was opened that same year. The school did not officially change their name to UNC Charlotte until 1965, when the North Carolina House of Representatives passed a bill to confirm the name change. That same year, the school graduated its first senior class and the school colors were changed to green and white, which they are still today. And that was the tale of the tape for the UNC Charlotte 49ers.
0: Uh, Thank you, Brian. As always, we look forward to that and uh, bringing you that each week. One of the things that we introduced at the end of last season that we will continue into this season, and that is our favorite alumnus from the school that we're playing. And so uh, we did give ourselves the option of staying just with football or with going with any alumni. And so uh, we decided to go with any alumni and we're calling this segment for this season we're calling it alumni alley and so for the charlotte 49ers a little bit of a difficult one i'm not going to lie to you guys a little bit of a difficult one we're going to talk alumni alley who is your favorite alumnus from the charlotte 49ers
1: well going through the list of people that uh have graduated there from charlotte uh, 49ers um had a hard time narrowing it down but i picked someone that i remember as a kid and you know I won't say I have fond memories of his NBA career, but I do remember him and I remember a lot of things about him. So I chose uh, Cedric Cornbread Maxwell. Um, Played in Charlotte from 1973 to 1977. He's from Kinston, North Carolina. So another, you know, thing, you know, North Carolina boy. So, you know, always like to look out for the North Carolina guys. Uh, In 1976, he was the MVP for the runner-up NIT team, Charlotte 49er team. In 1977, he was the Midwest MVP uh, when Charlotte went to the Final Four. His number 33 was retired that year in 1977 for the 49ers. In his 11-year NBA career, he won a world championship in 1981 with the Celtics. Uh, They also retired the number 31, uh, his number 31 for the Celtics. His overall stats for his career were 10,465 points, 5,261 rebounds, and 1,862 assists through his career. Um, he did a lot of guest hosting for a while when he was living in Charlotte with uh, on primetime at the Pac-Man, which, and those of you that don't know, the Pac-Man is Mark Packer, who now is half of the great duo of Packer and Durham. And one of the funny things about uh, Cedric Maxwell, he really didn't care for Larry Bird. Still doesn't. Hates him. They were supposed to have been trying to work their feud out or Cornbread's feud with Larry because I don't think Larry cared one way or the other. But he never liked Larry Bird because Larry Bird wouldn't pass the basketball. So that is my uh, my take from Alumni Alley, Cedric Cornbread-Maxwell.
2: Scott, you got to love the the stories of Larry Bird, especially on the court where he's dribbling down. He's like, I'm going to go over to this side. I'm going to shoot the three right in your face. I'm going to smile about it going right back down. Like Larry was one of those – cold-blooded killers when it came to a shot and I could see why cornbread was mad that he wouldn't pass him the ball I am uh, I'm going with someone who was born and raised in the Raleigh area actually ran for office a few years back did not make it but hey kudos to them Scott stop <laughs> should have been the second season American Idol winner but old Ruben Took that that crown away from him, and I'm going to go with Mr. Clay Aiken. He came out of nowhere that season, surprised a lot of people. Should have won, um, but that I can remember. I was a senior in high school, about to go into college, watching that performance, and he was really the first North Carolinian singer to be on the main stage. I mean, we had Scotty McCreary a few years ago and some some other, I think Fantasia was from Winston-Salem. Boy, I know way too much American Idol. Anyway, uh, (laughs) my point is, is that he definitely helped put North Carolina on the map as far as places where singers could be found because you didn't really hear from about many people coming from North Carolina to be a singer. Plus, he went to high school where my wife used to work, Leesville Road High School. So, I mean, shout out to him on that. But again, Clay Aiken, I loved him as a singer. He can still sing. I mean, he's not really into the singing anymore. But the fact that he went from being a singer to trying to run for, I think, the North Carolina House of Representatives, that's kind of tough to do to go from entertainment to politics. I mean, kudos to him. But Clay Aiken, he was, uh, he's my guy on Alumni Alley this week
1: funny funny thing about Clay and he was actually on a hundred thousand dollar pyramid the other week with Michael Strahan on Wednesday nights. So it's kind of funny that you picked him, and I, he was on the show a couple weeks ago.
2: Hey, hey, Josh, who did uh, who did Jamie have? I mean, he I know he's uh you know he's he's having a tough time down at the beach for the ninety fifth time this year, but he's got to have someone. I know Jamie; he does his research.
0: Yeah, Jamie gave me his. Um... I was going to try to say it like Jamie, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. I would do a horrible impression of Jamie. Um, I might start laughing in the middle of this, though, just to give us memories of Jamie. But Jamie selected a former uh, head basketball coach of the Charlotte 49ers, Mr. Bobby Lutz. And uh, Bobby Lutz actually was born in Hickory, North Carolina. So he's another local uh, local guy, and he spent – his time, and, and this is pretty, this is pretty uh, legit here. He was an assistant at Clemson. He was an assistant at Charlotte before becoming the head coach. Then he went to Iowa State. Then he went to NC State for several years. Then he was um, with a developmental league. And then now currently he is with the University of Nebraska as a special assistant. So still in the game. Um, just a well-respected guy, I believe, across college basketball. Uh, Mr. Bobby Lutz and so man you guys left me with nothing and um, I just want to thank you uh, for that I am not making a political statement here but I'm trying to just throw a name out there that many of you might know and so uh, famous Charlotte 49er alumnus Mr. Dan Forrest. Dan Forrest was the lieutenant governor in our great state of North Carolina uh, from 2013 to 2021. He just recently ran for governor, and was defeated by our current governor, uh, Governor Roy Cooper. Um, and that's really, I mean, that's all that there is to say about him. I mean, there's nothing, he, he's got nothing really unique about him, uh, but he did graduate from Charlotte. And so, uh, Dan Forrest. So, we're going to bring you these each week, guys. In fact, next week, I mean, just get ready because NCANT, they've got a list. We're going to be bringing the Heat. Uh, next week uh, for sure. So, before we go tonight, we do want to give our predictions um, of what the score will be. And ma- let me say this before we do our predictions. I want to remind you if you're listening to this before kickoff on Friday, we did our stats prediction show two weeks ago and we created a form for you to be involved. And right now we have over 20 people uh, that have filled that out, but we would love for you to be a part. We give you an opportunity to let us know who you think will lead us. In many different st- uh, statistical categories, and uh, whoever wins that at the end of the season, we're going to be giving you a fifty dollars gift card. And so, if you're listening, uh, go to our Facebook group. You'll see it there. It's pinned as an announcement in our Facebook group called Duke Football Talk. And then we've also been tweeting it regularly um, on our Twitter feed at at Duke FB Talk. But guys, let's talk predictions. I'll give mine first, and then uh, we'll move uh, we'll move to Scott. Okay, so I'll go first. And then Scott, I think Scott has his and he has Jamie's. And so, um, all right, so I'm, I'm going a little bit um, off of last year. Uh, I think that we all know how bad Duke football was last year. We know how shaky we were at the quarterback position. Uh, we know that we handed the ball away and gave the ball away a ton last year. Um, we know that we also did not have a, a fall camp uh, last year. We were the last team in college football to report. Um, All that being said, I'm looking at a similar outcome uh, to last year. Now, granted, uh, the 49ers believe they have improved. They have dipped into the transfer portal. As you heard Al Wallace mention earlier on in this episode, Uh, they've dipped into the transfer portal. They've got some, uh, some, some good pieces that they feel like they're putting together. But I'm going to go Duke, 48. And I'm going to go Charlotte, 20. 48. It's one team, your Blue Devils. Scott.
1: All right, so um, it's kind of funny. They say uh, great minds think alike. So with Jamie's prediction and my prediction, it was the same. So, of course, because I want to be like my hero, Brian Kennedy, I'm going to change my score just so I can hopefully help myself get my steak dinner.
2: boy, so, Yeah.
1: <laughs> so Jamie wanted, to, as predicted, Duke 41 Charlotte 20. So I'm going to have to up that a little bit now. Again, thank you, Jamie. So I'm going to go 44-20. Uh, you know, I really – I think somewhere in there we're going to get a couple field goals, we get Charlie Hammond a chance to kick a couple field goals. I think we're going to get at least five touchdowns, hopefully more. I mean, I would love to win 59 to nothing, but, you know, that's probably not going to happen. So we'll go 44-20 to for my prediction.
2: Just so you guys know, uh, someone posted on Twitter to the Duke Football Talk uh, account talking about how right now the over-under for Duke wins is three and a half. So if you want to get your prop bets in, your sports bets in, you better do it. I'm on the fence. I'm thinking about doing it. I don't want my wife to kill me, though, for for dropping money on a could-be bet. But I saw the over-under for this game was 60 and a half points. So you guys are – all in the realm of that over-under. Here's where my, my thought is. Last year when we played Charlotte, it was in October, end of October. So they had already started going through COVID protocols, losing players, rescheduling, canceling, things like that. This is the very first game of the year. And like Al said in the interview, there have been some players that have stood out that could surprise a lot of folks, could surprise us as well. Now, with all that being said, I'm not saying that Charlotte's going to do the upset here, but I don't think we're going to have the same score result as we did last year. Last year, it was 53-19. I don't think we're going to score as much. I could see Cut letting the gas off the pedal uh, later in the in the second half and letting some of the, the second stringers and possibly third stringers, some guys he's going to redshirt get in to get some experience. But I am around where you guys are at as well. I'm going to go Duke 48, Charlotte 21. 48-21. Two, two, more, two more points. Wait, Josh is looking at me. Wait a second.
0: You're one point off of my prediction, bro. Like,
2: Listen. Why are, you
0: I, I, my, why are you helping my business like that?
2: Hey, I am playing that Price is Right mentality, my friend. I I am making sure that when the score comes out, I can say that I won on next week's episode as we get ready to talk A and T. I'm just saying. Plus, I won't mistake dinner at the end of the year.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Brian. We were talking about the the betting line. If you put hundred dollars on that uh, on the over on the three and a half wins, you'd bring home what one seventy five. You is that is that what it what it what it
2: was? Yeah. yeah so the over. Three and a half is a negative one fifteen. So, and I'm not good with betting math. So, when I put it in my sports bet to see, I think if you put hundred down, you'd win eighty five.
0: That's not bad. Still not, Still not a bad not bet. Bad. I might put if I had a, if I had like hundred k, I might put hundred k down on that because I I feel strongly that we are gonna that we're gonna be more than three and a half.
2: All I'll say is this, is I'm hoping at the end of September, after we beat Northwestern, I'm getting ready to cash in because that fourth game should be an easy W. And if it's not, then we've got bigger problems on our hands. So don't worry. I mean, I've got until Friday, just like some of our listeners have until Friday, to fill out the season predictions. But I think if you're a betting person, go ahead and put it in that Duke's going to win more than three and a half games this year. Well,
1: if you're going to put money on this game, the fine folks out in Vegas have Duke as a six and a half point favorite currently. So just you know, want to throw that out there. Since we're talking uh, betting lines, and I know nothing about it, but I'm just read it, and that's what we got.
0: Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be interesting. There's going to be a lot of bets taken on that for sure.
2: And if you're a bookie and you're listening to this podcast, we would love some advice on this so we can try to make a little extra money to make this podcast even better. As-
0: For sure. Well, listen, guys, that does it and wraps up our first uh, game week episode of 2021. You have been listening to the Section 17 podcast presented by Duke Football Talk. I've been your host, Josh Cox. I'm here with Brian Kennedy and Scott Medlin. Tonight, we missed our friend, Jamie Holt. And as always, a nice big shout out to our producer, Justin Sykes. We'd love for you to connect with us on Facebook. Just search duke football talk on twitter we are at duke fb talk make sure to give us a follow interact with us and don't forget uh, go to our facebook group go to our twitter page find that form fill out your stats prediction before kickoff on friday so that you can be a part of what we're doing and get a pos- a chance to win a 50 dollar gift card at the end of the season once again thank you again for listening and we will see you next week